training. And as you see, my message today is about training fit for a king. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have sound problems or not. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, you know, I know all y'all have been involved with different type positions. Call them positions. That's uh, maybe a path you've worked for, a path your own. And, and every one of them, there's something different. You know, there's always things to learn. There's always uh, what it takes for that position. And the, of course, the people, is an, uh, that's another thing that's kind of, it could be more, your most difficult, the people. That uh, whatever position you're going for, that you work with, or you have ones that work for you. But there's also the uh, a different approach. Sometimes you'll run into training. That it's a it's a new approach. It's something that's not normal. Something uh, not traditional, maybe for this particular position. That's that you're on a pathway for. I'd like to take you on a little uh, a little quick journey here this morning. And give you a little, just a little information and a, and a little history. And all I can do is give you a little because there is a lot on young Prince Charles as he was born. And you know, he was he was born, he was heir apparent to the throne of the British Empire. And he had some unexpected training before him. Of course, he was working his way, as we said, an heir to the throne, a crown. He was working his way to a crown that awaited him. His pathway for that crown began on November 14, 1948. Crowds, of course, there was wild cheering way into the night. You know, at Buckingham Palace, they was there was so many, so many there, and they were they were all there to to uh, welcome him. You know, it, in into uh, as a newborn, and as he came in to the world as a newborn. And of course, there were there was rejoicing was about the new addition to the royal family, Britain's royal family. They were rejoicing, of course. Uh, it went on to almost, I guess, all through the night, all to daylight over what I, I, met, I had read about it. At age four years old, his path changed a little bit. His grandfather had died, which was George VI. Young Charles' path was laid before him at that time. To be heir, one of the most prestigious thrones known to man in the world that we live in of a, of a king, you might say. Young Charles' father was Prince Philip, of course, and he planned out his education for him and his training. And he, as he went forward with it, the training that he, he put in place for him to inherit this gigantic responsibility that he would he would have along with the power and glory that goes along with being a monarch of an empire his father also knew also knew that kind of a shy and a meek temperament which which he had recognized and he knew that he would need some strenuous training programs befitting a king because that was the pathway he was on so he was started on that path, but it wasn't a normal, common path, and I wasn't. A, it wasn't a traditional program that others had been through. As he grew, he was enrolled in London Public School, which really 
kind of shocked the Commonwealth. You know, it wasn't a normal pathway to get to, the, to this crown that he was after. And it was the first time an heir to the throne had actually been educated alongside uh, his subjects. It just wasn't a normal traditional thing. It was different. The training continued. He moved on to boarding school. And, uh, he, was, he was put out there with his subjects in Brookshire. And, and of course, uh, all of his progress, you can imagine, you might even feel some of that today as a pathway you're on, as all of the subjects around him, his peers, uh, they noticed everything, good or bad, about him. At age 14, he was sent to another school, a boys' school, in a bleak, kind of a bleak place on the northeast coast of Scotland. In the curriculum, it came complete with a rugged regime of morning exercises, cold showers. He was getting the full treatment of exactly how the people lived, that he would be his subjects when he did inherit a crown. His school was for character building. It was for character building through experiencing what the subjects actually actually did with their lives and how they lived. By age 18, his father, Prince Philip, saw it, it was time for his son to take the next step in his training. He had another year in a rugged school for personal development, further personal development. His intense training, though, it, it, really, it really shined in 1969 at his appointment as Prince of Wales. Something, something special happened there, that appointment. Charles won the hearts of the Welsh people, its Welsh subjects, the ones that had knew him, by addressing them in their own ancient native tongue. You know, <clears throat> I've talked to several people here while I've been here this feast, and as always, new people, and the language, the language that he was speaking to them was an ancient language. It, it wasn't a traditional language. And as we speak to each other that we haven't seen for a year, or ones we see that we have never met, and I can look around the room and see several that I've never met. But as you speak with them, to the world it's a different language. We know exactly what we're talking about with each other from God's Word, and that's where the connection, God's Holy Spirit is where it comes from. And just as he spoke in a, a special language, you might say, maybe some didn't understand. But the ones we speak to at the feast do understand the language between us. Because it all comes from the truth of God's Word. He had a lot more training after that. Stint in the Royal Air Force, jet, he had jet training, uh, personal command in the Royal Navy. <clears throat> and all of his training was... It was all uh, laid out by his earthly father. Earthly father. Of course, it was all a physical thing. You know, that, that's, that's a, that was a huge, a huge thing, for, a path for him to be on, to be chief of state of the British Commonwealth, you know, of a nation. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge responsibility. And, and that throne, you know, it's, it stands for unifying link for millions of people and it didn't matter their race, color, creed, just as we'll see God's throne the same way. We, 
at Christ's return, of course. You know, it's, it's, this is going to be a spiritual throne. In 2 Timothy 4.8, so what does all this have to do with us? Do we see things in our lives happening that maybe we're on a path also ourselves? And did we start as he did? Did we start? Some people were born into the church. Some people weren't. I mean, you know, as, as Christ says, to, you know, come to me, you'll have to come as a newborn. Because you have to have an open mind like a, new, a newborn. And, and he, can, he can feel it and he'll feel it very quickly if you can, if you can give him that mind. If you've taken the step, if you've taken the step and have been baptized at age of understanding, repentance, accepting of the covenant of God, receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands, then you have a pathway to the kingdom, an airship, an airship so much more special than Prince Charles, an airship to the throne of God that you may be king, and a crown awaits you. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.8, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, which is a very important part of this scripture, not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And that loving his appearing, is a, that comes from a training fit for a king, because everybody... As we heard in one of the messages earlier this week, everybody doesn't love the thought of Christ's return, His appearing. There's many that are afraid of it. Of course, we embrace it because of the training that we have had through God's Word. Because we know it's going to be a wonderful day for the first fruits, the resurrection at His return. And we see some things in Revelation. Revelation, we want to want to talk a couple of speak on a couple of uh, verses here in Revelation one, verse five. We see our reward here of becoming kings, and of course, kings in God's kingdom, not man's kingdom. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. The ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And in Revelation 5 and verse 9, we hear of this the scroll that they were someone not no one was worthy to open it. And then we hear of the worthy one to open it. And the kings and the priests he speaks of. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, yes, Jesus, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and the nations, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. I can't tell you how many times I may have read that scripture to someone in a general conversation and given it to them. And, first thing they may ask me and they've asked me before is what Bible do you read out of that's uh, it's like it's not in my Bible and of course it is that's the training that we have the training from God 
in his word that puts us on the right path. Of course, as he, as he has made us, he will, kings and priests, reign on the earth. Man's rule will end at that time. Christ will rule at that time with the resurrected first fruits as, at his return. In Acts 2 and verse 38, Apostle Peter instructs us in those who will hear God's calling and the promise he has to for the ones that will accept it on his terms. It's a very important part of the last of that. On his terms. Acts 2.38 And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are for all, as many as the Lord our God will call. You are begotten. You're here. You're here. Actual members of God's family, and it's a pathway your own. And it's a promise of an airship to a throne, and it's not just any throne, and we know that. Most of the thrones we hear of today are the ones that uh, we see on TV, or we hear about from history. But this throne hasn't came just yet, but it will. And Luke chapter 15, verse 10 we see a great rejoicing here that took, that took place. Luke 15 and verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is a joy in the presence of the angels of God over just one sinner who repents. You know, we had a Bible study the other evening. Uh, it, it, was, it was more of a teen study. And uh, Miss Fran made a statement that, that really, really stood out to everybody. That Jesus would have, would have came and gave his life for one if there had only been one. And he says right here, the angels rejoice over just one sinner who repents. You know, we have heard, of a, we have heard a lot of rejoicing going on here at the Feast of Tabernacles. We've even heard it in some messages uh, uh, also. The angels do rejoice. And of course, that repentance... And God's Holy Spirit is what's allowed. It allows us to see these things He has for us. Without it, we would not see. We would not see these things. In Romans 8 and verse 16, just as when young Charles' subjects rejoiced in his heirship of his physical throne, and it was a big celebration, big celebration. At the time we began a training program ourselves, that will present us worthy, which is is the pathway we're on to present us worthy to become joint heirs with Christ in the kingdom to come. Heirs to a spiritual kingdom, not of this world. In Romans 8, 16, see, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. And we know that'll be when he returns. When the promise he promises, we will get. Young Charles was exposed to the real people he would be serving as ruler over them. Experiencing their trials in life just as our Father exposes us. Our Heavenly Father exposes us to the trials of the ones we'll serve in his kingdom to come. In Revelations 2, 
verse 26, Christ makes a, an amazing promise to us here. To us here, and it, it's something that we'll touch on again before we're finished here. Revelation 2 and verse 26 says, "He says, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, my works. Remember, faith without works doesn't work." He says, the ones that keep my works to the end, to him will I give power over the nations. He didn't say for a little while. He said until the end that we keep his works. And that's very important to remember. That's all part of our training, the pathway he's put us on. Young Charles was subjected to a difficult program, and it was designed by his earthly father to prepare him for the British throne. But our Father in Heaven is preparing us for something much more special, much more special, far more important calling than any throne of the world today. In Revelation 17, in verse 14, we see the, the if, if we were to read back, I have time for that today, but if we read back, we see the beast, we see speaking of, that will come to make war with the Lamb and with the ones that are with the Lamb. And in 17, verse 17 of Revelation, uh, chapter 17, verse 14, these will make war of the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are two things. It says they are called the elect, and they are chosen the overcomer. And they are faithful until the end. That's the ones that will be with him to fight against the evils of the world that will come against him. Proverbs 4 and verse 7. As future kings, we need to be, we need to be developing certain things. And one of them is the mind. One of them is the mind. But not just IQ. And that's a that's a that's kind of a fallacy that fall that we fall into sometime of 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 somebody that's a genius we're not talking about developing developing the mind in an act the IQ perspective exactly the training from God's Word that makes the difference on our minds it's not man's tradition it's God's Word God's training us in a, more than one thing he's training us in wisdom mental attributes or understanding and not just in blind faith. Understanding with wisdom takes you way beyond the blind faith that a lot have in the world today. First Kings 3 7. I'm going to read Proverbs 4 7 first. Another, a wisdom from King Solomon. Wisdom. Proverbs 4 and verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And that's what we ask for so many times is the understanding that we have to have to understand God, God's Word, to be able to promote it to others. It's, it's all part of developing the mind. In 1 Kings 3 and verse 7, King Solomon, you know, he was called the wisest king that ever lived. But acknowledged his last lack of wisdom to God, didn't he, when he was, when he was asked to be and he was made king. And in 3 and verse 7 of 1 Kings, Thomas says, Now, he says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my 
father David, but I am a little child, he says. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people, whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give your servant an understanding, heart to judge. That's what he wanted. He wanted an understanding heart, a mind to know what to do, to make the right decisions. Your people that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? I think he made a, a wise decision right there, acknowledging God always responds to us when we acknowledge that we need him. We need him for the understanding it takes to continue down the path that he has us on to airship of his throne. Again, in Proverbs, in chapter 2, it speaks of a, a value of wisdom here in Proverbs 2 and verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom, wisdom from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. And he is a shield for those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice. He preserves the way of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity. Equity and every good path. The path that you are on. This path. A decision making to stay on this narrow path. It becomes all important. You know, he says in, in that verse 7, he says, He is a shield. You know, we heard a wonderful message about all the tools he has for us. And one of them was, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, the shield. Wonderful analogy. Wisdom involves having the understanding. The understanding is important to know uh, what to say and maybe even more importantly, knowing when to say it. That's where the wisdom comes in from having the understanding. The wisdom is a big part of it. Proverbs 9, this, the book of Proverbs was written, it, it was written for, the, for, for teachable ones, for the ones that, would, that are looking and, 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 and reaching and striving for understanding, the ones that, that want wisdom from it. Proverbs 9 and verse 4 says, whoever is simple, and I'll add teachable in there, because you have to have a humble mind to come to God to even be teachable. He can't work with a hard, a hard, a hard heart or a, a mind that's closed. He, he has, you have to come to him teachable. And let him turn in here, he says, as for him who lacks understanding. You know, Christ says that, you know, to come to me again, he'd come to him as a newborn. How quick are newborns able to learn? It's amazing. Well, we have a lot here. I've seen a lot of them running around. I think it was uh, yesterday. They had crowns on. It was a beautiful thing. I thought of my message. I said, they're on the path. If we can just keep them on the path. Just keep them on the path. Luke 9. I'm gonna, let me go back to 9. I, I want to go back to Proverbs 9 real quick, and I want to just touch on verse 10. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's, that's where it all comes from for us. Can't do it on our own. It, it comes from God. Now, to Luke 9 and verse 51, future rulers of Christ, don't you think we'll have requirements? I think we will. We will have requirements. 
And having the mind of Christ is one of them. He has a little incident here with his, with his uh, disciples. Uh, as we go in Luke 9 and verse 51, they, they go into a Samaritan village, and uh, his response was not something that they, that they were anticipating. In Luke 9 and verse 51, Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messages before his face. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set to go for a journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? That was their response. What did Christ say? But he turned and he rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. And handling God's Spirit is a very special thing for us when He allows us to have it. He says, For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save men's life. And they went on to another village. So He taught them a little, a little lesson there about His Spirit and how they should be handling it. 2 Timothy 1.6 It's very special to handle God's uh, Spirit wisely. It's, uh, it's all important to us, isn't it? Uh, Paul says in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and real importantly, a sound mind. Very important. With the prayer we heard of yesterday, that develops our mind greatly with God. It's a connection that we need nothing else between us and Him. Us to Jesus, to God. It's, a, it's, a, it's an open door for us. It develops our mind. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. We have a priceless force within, within us, within our, in, our, in our grasp. And it's working within us. And it allows us to, to do what we spoke of earlier, to overcome the world and these physical bodies that we live in today which is a, a big challenge for all of us. We focus, we focus on the unseen things, whereas some people focus on the things they can see, even following God. But we need to be focusing on the unseen as our Father in Heaven has trained us. And He's trained us through His Word. Not the perishing thing of this age, because all these things are going away. In 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, Paul and Timothy are speaking here to the church in Corinth of the things that they, as well as we, should be focused on also. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. God's Spirit's still there. We may be perishing, but His Spirit is being renewed in us day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's what we need to focus on. All things will fall away, even the rule of Prince Philip. 
His rulership will mean nothing in days to come. But the throne of God prepares us for eternity in the kingdom. And that's the pathway we're on. Matthew 20 and verse 25, we have an appointment with destiny. We have an appointment. And it's an appointment to be rulers with Christ, be His servants, be a servant to His people. A servant to His people. And in Matthew 20 and verse 25, Jesus called the disciples together with Himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for me. I want to close with one, one last scripture here in Revelation 3 and verse 21. 3 and verse 21. You know, our airship is much more important than that of Prince, young Prince Charles as he came in as a newborn. We came in as newborns also. To be taught, to be teach, to be teachable. Our minds open. Our minds open. To overcome. And it's so important. Why is it so important for us to overcome this world that we live in? Because we know it's always pulling at us one way or the other. Revelation 3 and verse 21 says, To him who overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne a throne that's eternal a throne that's eternal it does not and will not perish when he returns all the earthly ones will go away they will all fall away at the return of Christ and we know that but the worthy ones the worthy ones will rise and the ones that loved his appearing and loved God's training fit for a king 